Well, today we're continuing the message series we've been in called Experience God's Power. And in this series, we're looking at biblical accounts of miracles. We're studying uh, what the Bible has to say about miracles. And this morning, my message is entitled Counterfeit Miracles. We're going to be looking at questions like, are all, are all miracles of God? Do miracles confirm that a person is sent from God? Should I listen to the teaching of a person because they work miracles? I'd encourage you to take out the white page in the middle of your bulletin. It has the scriptures written out here. And also on the back are study questions that are used in some of the groups. And even if you're not, if you're not in a group that does the study guide questions, we encourage you to uh, answer them on your own in your daily time with God. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 9 says, The coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with the work of Satan, displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders. And so here the Bible tells us that there are indeed counterfeit miracles, signs, and wonders, and these counterfeit miracles are the work of Satan. And so Jesus himself warns his disciples that in the future there are going to be false prophets who perform great signs and wonders intended to deceive people. Matthew 24, at that time Jesus says, if anyone says to you, look, here's the Messiah, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. And so Satan attempts to deceive, to deceive everyone, including believers, with great signs and wonders or miracles. Now, how does Satan's deception work? Well, basically, he gets people to think that if someone performs a supernatural sign and wonder, if someone seems to perform a miracle or, or does perform a miracle, something that's out of the ordinary, obviously done with supernatural power, then that person should be followed and their teaching should be believed and heeded. And so Satan deceives people with counterfeit miracles and signs. But as we're going to see today, supernatural signs and wonders are not in and of themselves an indicator either of the godliness of the messenger or the truth of what he says. Many today teach that all supernatural signs and wonders today are counterfeit. I mean, if you see a miracle, can't be God. God doesn't do miracles anymore. It must be the devil. And yet the Bible teaches there are going to be supernatural miracles in the church until Jesus returns again. We're not going to belabor that point this morning, but First Corinthians 12, verse 7, uh, speaking of spiritual gifts in the church, Back in the time of Paul, continuing down to today, says to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And it goes through the list of the spiritual gifts. It says to another, faith by the same Spirit, to another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit, to another, miraculous powers, to another, prophecy. And so these are gifts that God has given to the church, to Spirit-filled believers, uh, to build up the church for its common good. They still operate today. Now, today we're going to look at a teaching of Jesus about true and false miracles uh, so that we're not deceived. Jesus has warned us, we've already read in Matthew 24, uh, not, to believe, not to believe certain things, not to be deceived. Our passage is in Matthew chapter 7, and it begins in verse 13. 
Uh, Jesus said, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. And so Jesus here is teaching that there are two gates that lead to two roads in life. And every person in life is on one road or the other. They've either entered through the narrow gate to the the road of life, or they've entered in the broad gate to the path to destruction. And most people, Jesus says, are on this broad road. It's an easy road. It's easy to get on. But the destination of that road is destruction. It's, it's hell itself. And these people on the broad road are unbelievers. They are the lost. Believers are the minority. They find this small gate. It's not easy to find, but this small gate opens onto a narrow road that ultimately leads to life. A life, eternal life in heaven. And so Jesus begins the teaching that we're going to be talking about here today, explaining the two roads. Everybody has to choose between these two roads. And there are two kinds of people. The people on the broad road and the people on the narrow road. And these two roads are important to understand as we continue with Jesus' teaching because he's going to talk about two trees. He's going to talk about two claims and two builders. And so Jesus teaches we must beware of false prophets. Verse 15, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Now, what does a prophet do? Well, a prophet prophesies. A prophet speaks words that come from God, or at least a true prophet does, speaks words that come from God. And the prophets also often move in signs and wonders. They often perform miracles. And if there are true prophets, which there are, there have been, obviously, in the past, and I believe they still are today, then there will be counterfeit or false prophets. Now, Jesus tells us that outwardly, these false prophets, they look like believers, they are clothed in sheep's clothing. They look like part of the flock of God. Oftentimes, the Bible refers to believers or the church of God as the flock of God. And you and I are sheep okay, in the biblical terminology. And so these false prophets come in sheep's clothing. But inside, they are ferocious wolves. Now, is a wolf a friend of a sheep? No. What do wolves do? They eat sheep. They devour sheep. And so uh, a wolf is the sheep's worst enemy. And so these false prophets are a serious danger to the flock of God. They're a serious danger to the church of God. And so false prophets have wicked motives. They understand that they are wolves. They are out to destroy the church. Uh, they are out to fill their own appetites, whatever those may be. They know that they are not believers. And as we go over this passage, watching out for false prophets, the principles can be extended to uh, false teachers, false evangelists, false pastors. Any type of leader can operate in the same way. Now, both true and false prophets can move in signs and wonders and miracles, and so how can we tell them apart? How can we not be deceived by these false prophets who appear outwardly as sheep, who appear to be 
believers. How can we tell? We need to recognize the prophet's fruit. Jesus goes on in verse 16. He says, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good fruit bears, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. In other words, a true prophet is like a good tree that bears good fruit. A false prophet is like a bad tree that bears, false, or bears bad fruit. Now, what is the fruit that Jesus is talking about here? The fruit is the behavior, the character, and the teaching of the prophet. And so the fruit is the behavior, the character, and the teaching of the prophet. And we must examine the fruit of the prophet's life. Does his teaching line up with the written word of God? Does his behavior and character line up with the example of Jesus Christ? Do the results of his ministry bring glory to God and build up the church? Now, if the answer to those questions is no, his teaching does not line up with God's word, his behavior and character does not line up with the example of Jesus Christ, there is blatant sin in his life, the results of his ministry don't bring glory to God, they don't build up the church, they may actually divide and fracture the church, then the prophet is bearing bad fruit. And we recognize him as false. If the answer, on the other hand, is yes, his teaching lines up with God's word. His behavior and character line up with the example of Jesus Christ. He's living a godly, righteous life. His ministry brings glory to God. His ministry builds up the church. Then he's a true prophet. And he should be listened to. And so we are to recognize the prophet's fruit. Now, we need to understand the false prophet's doom. Jesus says, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. And so the, the tree of the false prophet, its fruit is bad. Jesus says, that tree, that false prophet is going to be cut down one day and thrown into the fire. And so false prophets are not saved. They're not believers in one day. They will spend eternity in hellfire. And those who are deceived, those who follow them, will likewise have the same end. And that is why we need to be so careful. We need to be careful fruit inspectors and beware of false prophets. Now, the false prophets that Jesus is talking about here are not those who promote other religions like Islam, Hinduism, and Buddhism. Uh, I mean, that's another type of false prophet. But those false prophets aren't dressed up in sheep's clothing. They're not pretending to be Christians. And so they're much easier to recognize. And we should recognize that other religions are, are teaching a, a different way to God, which is not a way to God at all. And of course, they should not be heeded to either. But Jesus is talking about false prophets who dress up in sheep's clothing. False prophets, people who pretend to be believers, disguised as Christian prophets. You might see them on television. They may pastor churches. They may say some things that are true. They may say some things that are biblical. They may even do miracles that are genuinely done through the Holy Spirit. 
or their miracles may be done by demonic powers. And yet, a close inspection of their fruit, the fruit of their life, reveals that it is bad. Their teaching has elements that are not from God's word, or they distort God's word. People are hurt. People are wounded by their ministry. That is bad fruit. Oftentimes, they'll attempt to hide their character and behavior because it's not godly. And it's hard to find anything out other than their public persona. These false prophets generally are not accountable to anyone or to any godly organization. If you can't find the information to judge a prophet's life, a prophet's fruit, then most likely they're hiding something. And so beware. Next, Jesus warns us to beware of self-reliance. had a little trouble writing this point out, so we'll see if I can explain what this means. Jesus continues in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And so in these next two examples we're going to talk about, we need to recognize, first of all, how to detect false prophets, and secondly, how this applies to us, how we should not rely on spiritual gifts rather than a relationship with Jesus. And so Jesus begins this example talking about two kinds of people. Both of these people claim that Jesus is Lord. They say, Lord, Lord. And yet one kind of person does not enter the kingdom of heaven. One kind of person is not saved. The other kind of person will enter the kingdom of heaven and be saved. And what is the difference? Both of them call Jesus, Lord. Both say, Lord, Lord. The difference is that one kind of person does the Father's will. One kind of person does the will of the Father. They live their life in obedience to God's word. Their lives bear good fruit. The other person talks a good talk. They say, Lord, Lord, but their lives do not show that they obeyed God's word. Their lives do not show that they did the will of the Father. They bore bad fruit. Jesus goes on to say that we mustn't trust in miracles. He says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? What is that day? Well, that day is judgment day. It's the day where Jesus separates the believers from the unbelievers. Everybody in the world is in one group or the other. He sends believers to heaven and unbelievers to hell. And Jesus says on that day, many people are going to call him Lord. They're going to believe that they are Christians. And for evidence, they're going to say, hey, look, look at my life. Look what I did for you. In your name, I prophesied. In your name, I cast out demons. In your name, I performed many miracles. In other words, these people are going to believe that they are true believers that they are going to heaven because God did supernatural signs and wonders through them. Now, Jesus doesn't dispute that these things were done, that these works were done in his name. In fact, is there anything wrong with what these things are? And the answer is no. These are the very things that Jesus commanded his disciples of all ages to do. And yet salvation is not based on working miracles. 
Salvation is based on a relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 23, Jesus says, Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. And so Jesus tells these people, the ones that have called him Lord, the ones who thought they were believers, who did miracles in his name, he says, I never knew you. I have no relationship with you. You were doing your own thing. You built your own ministries. You thought you were doing God's will, but you were not. You were evildoers. You weren't listening to me. We have no relationship. I don't know you and you don't know me. And so their fate is the same as the false prophets. They trusted in their works rather than Jesus for salvation. And so we need to examine ourselves to make sure that we are not relying on the things we do for God and thinking that brings us salvation, even if they are supernatural works of God. Our salvation is based on faith in Jesus Christ. It's based on a relationship with Him. And in that relationship with God, He speaks to us. He tells us what His will for our lives is through His Word and through His Spirit. And as we follow that, we do God's will. We bear good fruit. He guides our lives. We know Him and He knows us. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. A true believers hear God's voice, hear His instruction, and they obey, they follow that instruction. Now secondly, we need to realize that those who call Jesus Lord, those who may even do supernatural miracles, but they are deceived because they really don't know Jesus. And this is a more subtle form of false prophets. For these people don't realize that they aren't believers. They don't realize they may be misleading people, or they are misleading people, because they are misled themselves. And how do we recognize them? We recognize them in the same way, by the fruit of their lives and, and ministries. Bad fruit is an overemphasis in signs and wonders that does not lead people into this relationship with Jesus Christ. An overemphasis on signs and wonders points people to who? To the person doing them rather than to Jesus. And that is bad fruit. That is a mark of a false prophet. Prophets, pastors, teachers who have a true relationship with Jesus Christ will lead others into that same relationship. Finally, we must beware of self-deception. In the last example, we talked about people who were deceived by relying on miracles for their salvation. They thought because God used them in miracles that surely they must be saved. But they were not. And in this final example of Jesus, he talks about an even more subtle form of self-deception that affects our eternal destinies. We must not just hear God's word. Matthew 7, verse 26, Jesus says, Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. And so Jesus here is talking about a man who heard his words. This man heard Jesus' words. That's a good thing. That's a good thing to hear Jesus' words. He built his house. He built his life. That's a good thing to build your life. And yet, 
Jesus says this man was not wise, he was foolish. Why was he foolish? Because he did not put God's word into practice. He knew God's word. He heard God's word. He heard Jesus' words, but he didn't obey it. Not putting God's word into practice, Jesus says here, is building your house, building your life on a foundation of sand. The ultimate storm, there's storms in this life, but there's an ultimate storm that's going to come. That storm is judgment day. And on that day, every house that's built in, on sand, every life that does not put God's word into practice will go to destruction. And the foolish man will be shown to have an unbeliever's heart. And so Jesus says we must not only hear God's word, we must put it into practice. Verse 24 says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, and yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. And so this second man, he heard God's word just like the first. He built a house just like the first man. A violent storm came, as in the first man's life, and yet the end result was that the second house stood. It stood because it was built on a foundation of rock. And what did this second man do differently than the first? Well, he put the word of God that he heard into practice. He obeyed it. He did the Father's will. That, Jesus says, is being wise. That is building your life on the rock of Jesus Christ. And that kind of life, will survive the storms of life and will survive the storm of judgment. And that is what true believers do. And so Jesus closes this section of his teaching by speaking of the, the self-deception of, of hearing God's word, of learning God's word, of knowing God's word. Knowing God's word does not make you a believer. Knowing God's word is a good thing. I'm not speaking against it. It's an essential thing. But it must be put into practice. It must be obeyed in order to be a believer. Now, is this salvation by works? I would say not at all. What Jesus is saying is that those who are wise, those who truly believe in him, those who call him Lord, what will, you, what will they do? They will obey their Lord. They will obey their master. That is what true believers do. To call Jesus Lord and not obey him is a contradiction in terms. Uh, it's a falsity. You see, those who know God's word and don't put it into practice, what they are actually doing is disobeying God's word. By not putting God's word into practice, you are disobedient. You are an evildoer. So the fruit of, of the life of a person who knows but does not practice God's word is bad. They bear bad fruit. Those who follow them get led astray. And so don't be deceived by those who seem to know God's word backwards and forwards. Who can quote every verse in the Bible. There are people like that. But whose behavior and attitudes are not like Jesus. The fruit of their ministry is not good fruit. Don't listen to them. Don't follow them. Don't encourage others to follow them. Beware of self-deception. And so today we've looked at 
the topic of counterfeit miracles. And in that, we've looked even more at the issue of false prophets, false pastors, false teachers, and even ordinary believers that are led astray. It's so easy to be deceived. And Jesus warns us that many are going to be deceived. And as Jesus returns, as Jesus' return comes nearer, the work of Satan is going to accelerate. And the deceptive power of Satan is going to increase. And so we need to be fruit inspectors. We need to inspect the fruit of the lives of those that we follow, the lives of those that we listen to. We need to build our relationship with Jesus Christ on a daily basis. We need to put every command of God's word into practice in our lives. And as we do, God will help us to discern and detect false prophets. He'll help us to be wise people that lead many people to Jesus Christ. Now, God wants each and every one of us to have a relationship with him, to be a wise builder, to have a life whose foundation is upon the rock of Jesus Christ. And to have that relationship with Jesus Christ, you need to admit that you've sinned, that you've done wrong things. The Bible tells us what is sin and what we need to repent of. B, we need to believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, that our sins might be forgiven. Ask him to forgive us, to come into our lives, and we commit our lives to following him as our Lord. And that means that we put God's word into practice in our lives. That means that we obey what the Bible tells us to do through the power of his spirit. That means that our lives will bear good fruit. And so if you've never prayed a prayer like this, I'd encourage you to pray with me. We're going to pray in a minute. If you want to recommit your life to God, that's a good thing to do from time to time. So let's bow our heads right now. We're going to pray. Pray in your own hearts. God knows what you're thinking. God knows what you're praying to Him. You don't need to pray aloud. Pray something like this. Father, today, I admit that I've sinned. I admit I've done wrong things. And I ask that you forgive me. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross, took the punishment for my sins, that I might be forgiven. I believe that he rose from the dead. And I commit my life to following him, both as my Savior and as my Lord. I will do the things that he tells me to do, that his word instructs me to. I want to be a wise builder. I want to build my life on the foundation of of the rock of Jesus Christ. And for those of us today who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this teaching of Jesus. Teaching about false prophets and counterfeit miracles. And we know that this deception is going to increase as your coming gets closer. And so help us, God. Help each of us to examine our own lives first and foremost. We may, may we make sure that our lives are built upon this rock of Jesus. May we... Make sure that we're putting his words into practice and bearing good fruits. Teach us, God, how to be fruit inspectors of those we listen to, those that we follow as spiritual leaders. 
May we not be deceived. May we help those who are being deceived by false teachers, by false prophets, by false pastors. May we help them, God, and bring them back to the truth of your word. And God, may we, as we walk with you, may your spirit work true miracles through our lives. May we see people's lives touched and transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, that many more might come to know you and become wise builders. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.